Hello, folks. Welcome to our fourth and final episode of our special NYC Northern Ireland miniseries. We've had the chance to sit down with actor Geraldine Hughes, Jack and Sean from The Dead Rabbit, the best part in the world, and Terry George, an Oscar-winning director from Belfast. So, quite the lineup, you could say. Incredible, incredible Northern Irish people. But, however, on today's episode, we have saved the youngest guest... And, I personally think, the most impressive to last. Despite being only 23 years old, Balamina born and bred Sarah McBride has already worked with Google, Nokia, a VC firm in New York City, and launched a t-shirt company that doesn't exist. Trust me, we're going to get into that in much more detail, but for now, all you need to know is that while holding her current marketing role at Betaworks, Sarah has been using her spare time, her free time, to create Cross and Freckle, an AI t-shirt company that has garnered global media attention and coverage from the likes of Product Hunt and Wired. So in today's show, we chat about early influences in her involvement in tech, what life is like in NYC, and how artificial intelligence is disrupting the world of fashion. Let's go. Hi, I'm Sarah McBride, and you're listening to Best of Belfast. All right, guys, what's the crack? My name is Matthew Thompson, and welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates our wee country, Northern Ireland. Each episode gives you the opportunity to get to know and learn from some of the incredible people who call this place home through our unfiltered conversations. The show is brought to you from our recording studio in Ormo Bass, Barclay Eagle Labs, a co working space right here in the heart of the city centre. Support for Best of Belfast comes from our Producers Club, where listeners just like you pledge as little as £1 a month in exchange for exclusive perks, invitations to live podcasts, some Northern Irish swag, and much, much more. Massive, massive thank you to all of you who are part of that, especially our Titanic producers, Town Square Cafe, Gavin Wall, Ali Hart, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, and of course, the Omobass team. We could not do this show without our producers, and thanks to your support, we can keep it running and allowed to stay ad-free. So, really appreciate you. To find out more about the great work these guys do, and support us on our journey to 100 interviews, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Okay, that's it for me. Time to jump straight into today's conversation with this week's local legend. You need to figure out what accent it is. I know. No, it's fine. I've been, I've been bad long enough. It's funny you said something. I think we were going upstairs. And I just heard, I almost sound like a different person. You were like, talking, 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 exercise. <laughs> and I was like, she is from Palomino, you're right. <laughs> There's the wee tail words just thrown <laughs> It's so good. Uh, tilt your wee mic just a wee bit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like that? Spot on, spot on. So what is it like being home? I feel like I have a Palomino accent. I feel like I just went, what is it like? Lean into it. Just lean in. Well, just lean in. <laughs> Um, have you enjoyed being home is it's, it hard it's being unreal home? i was i was counting down the days like living in new york is like living on a treadmill 
um, as I'm sure you experience as well. And it's just go, 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 go. And you wake up in the morning and like your phone is buzzing with notifications and, you know, your Amazon Alexa is going off, like screaming the news <laughs> at you. And then you check your phone and there's this app at the moment called Citizen. And it tells you if there's like crime going on nearby. So there's like 10 notifications, like three people stabbed oh, on the road, no, like car broken into. I would and you're not like, enjoy that app. Welcome to another day in New York City. Um, and then you go outside and the noise and the heat just hits you. And I mean, that's what makes it the best and worst place at the same time, like the energy and the speed and velocity of everything happening there. But there's a guy I work with and and he he's our creative director. So like super creative guy. And he told me he was like, you have to get out of the city every three months or you will go insane. <laughs> and I was like, I sure. And then three months went by and I was like, oh, my word, I need I need all you just need to like get away from the noise, give yourself headspace. Um, and there's nowhere better to get that than Ballerina. And actually, it kind of freaks me out how small Manhattan actually is. Like, it's really, really tiny. And we're used to coming from a tiny, tiny island in regards like, to, you know, the big scope of the world. But yeah. it is such a small place when you really actually look at it. But that's what's so nuts about it, because it's like the center of the universe is actually just this tiny strip of land that is some weird land formation. The fact that it's just so long and thin and every like millimeter of that piece of island is in use is like the economic value <laughs> is being squeezed from it like any green space is has not naturally occurring i'm not too sure about the history of central park but yeah. like certainly down the southern tip of the island it has been put there by an urban planner who's mm -hmm. thinking right so if we put more trees there people will be happier which means we can charge them more money to buy the houses nearby mm -hmm. and the people who go into work will work harder because there's more trees around them mm -hmm. and that is just like that is just life it's in manhattan it's just everything is like optimized for economic outfit that's nuts but at the same time center point of the universe and actually in terms of size it's absolutely tiny yeah i remember here and i don't know how much this is urban legend or not of like how whenever the city started to become a grid and they started pushing up above like Wall Street Financial District and the streets stopped being higgledy-piggledy and turned into the grid, mm -hmm. you know, and they maybe fenced off Central Park and was like, this is a protected space, like we're going to keep this as a park. But even then, like I remember having a tour of Central Park by someone that lived there, a friend of mine, and he could point, I think he was an architect or something, he would point at different rocks He'd be like, yeah, those rocks are artificially placed there. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's freaking me out. I know, <laughs> I know. The city is fierce. So why did you go? The job. I'm chasing something. What are you chasing? No, it was, um, it was, it was this wonderful just moment of complete randomness where um, a friend I had honestly made online, like I never met the bloke, he was based in San Francisco, um, we had been chatting for a while and he had a really interesting job in tech and SF. And I was, I was like, Oh, how'd you get that job? Like, I'm trying to think about my next steps. Cause I was in final year uni at the time. And anyway, we, we got to know each other and he knew what I was about. And I was in Bath where I went to university with my dad and we were packing up all my stuff and that was it. Time over in Bath, like ready to move home. And my friend Neve phoned me and I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm packing up my life right now. <laughs> what is it, Neve? I am in an emotional period of time. Like, what do you want? And he was like, check your email. And I went on and I've been intro to this man called John Borthwick and this other man called Matt Hartman. I was like, don't know who these folks are. <laughs> and then I went on Twitter and they both followed me on Twitter and both of them are verified. And I was like, huh? 
Blue so very quickly, you know, it's always the blue tick will do it. Um, very quickly, I Googled this organization, Betaworks, and I saw that they had actually built Giphy, the GIF search engine, Bitly, which is a link shortening um, service, and a bunch of other companies that they built, but then also invested in. And I'd heard of all of them. And I was like, who are these people? And all of a sudden I was like, oh, flip, I've just been introduced to them. So at no point was New York on my radar. Like I had been to New York for the first time the year before with my best friend on like a quick summer holiday. And we had sort of stopped off a couple places on the East Coast and we had spent 36 hours in New York and that was it. <laughs> and I thought it was cool. And I remember writing down in my notebook at the time, like I had this kind of like list of things I wanted to do in places I would maybe consider living. And I like added New York to the list. But it was like, oh, yeah, maybe down the line, you know, yeah. I'll be a director in some company and they'll relocate me and, you know, yeah. whatever. I'll live near Central Park. Um, and here I was introduced to this company. I was like, but I'm, I'm not going to go work in New York. I don't think this is going to be a very fruitful connection. <laughs> and a week later, I'm sat on the phone with them and they're chatting away and they think I'm great. I think they're great. And they're like, yeah, do you want to come, do you want to come work here? And I was like, well, that's a very interesting proposal. Um, and then had a lot of like visa stuff to figure out, got it done. And then September 19th last year, I moved to New York and that was that. Unreal. And it was all for the job. So here's an opportunity to exercise your American muscle rather than your Northern Irish muscle. Okay. Oh Brace gosh. yourself. You ready? ready? I think I'm ready. Why did they think you were great? Oh gosh. What was it about those conversations or i mean to be fair your cv your resume is like star studded it's unbelievable how old are you i'm 23 it's unbelievable for a 23 year old like even the bio like that i have for the intro of the podcast i'm just like damn that's so so cool no seriously (laughs) um so i think it came down to you know since i was i think it's I think I was 16 because I was in GCSE economics class and I just loved economics um and I just kind of decided I was like do you know what I want to be a businesswoman and I didn't know what that meant or what it would entail or where I go or even what that job looks like but I was like I want to be a businesswoman and just started telling people that and like telling my teachers they thought it was nuts <laughs> and they were like simmer down um and just got that in my head and then you know started to become a bit more mature and understood how the internet worked and very quickly learned that actually the coolest way to be a woman in business now is to find a startup because also women are super underrepresented and so from age 17 I was so I did young enterprise and that's a separate story um I just got plugged into the network up here in Belfast and you know I had a mentor at the time this guy called Andrew Fulton who was only two years older than me but was two years ahead of me Mm -hmm. and had sort of had the same thing and was super plugged in Um, And he was just saying, right, meet this person, read this book, go to this, like, you know, consider this. And it just upended like my whole understanding of how the world worked and just burst that tiny little bubble I was in in Ballymena. Um, And it was unreal. And I was hooked. So started just turning up to all these events in Belfast, like tech events, and just turned up being like, hello, I want to get into the startup scene. I have (laughs) no skills whatsoever. I don't code. I'm not good at finance. I'm not good at sales. I have no idea what it is I'm going to do, but I'm really interested. So like I would just go to these events and just absorb it and just talk to everyone and just make sure they knew my name. Um, So did that for a while and then have my young enterprise thing. And then that summer I interned at a local startup for two days a week. And I was like, 
17 turned 18 and then also got this really good opportunity at the science park which is now catalyst but i still know it as the science park <laughs> back in my day back in my it was a park um and i got this internship with them and, and five other young people and they just came up with this awesome idea of like we want to encourage more young people to get into technology and the creative industries and a really good way to do that is to hold an event right and bring people along to inspire them but what would be even better is if that event is hosted by young people for young people so they found some budget and were able to pay us all you know through the summer to come up with this conference and I joined up with these five other incredible young people from Northern Ireland um and we just spent the summer being like what does a tech conference for young people look like and it was unreal and I learned so much from that um and just met so many people in the scene here so that was like the first year of like actually working in tech um and then went off to uni and um again just like I was at the University of Bath which is just it's technically a city but it's tiny what'd you study um I studied international management with French ooh la la uh, ooh la la <laughs> so I was in Bath and like you know degree was fine was super interested in the French stuff that was great um but immediately sought out like first of all the entrepreneur club at uni and then the local startups and just again was just interning for people and I just quickly realized that I still didn't have any skill set but I knew one thing and that was how to use Twitter and social media because I had grown up with a smartphone in my hand and Mm -hmm. I just I knew my brain was programmed differently to these CEOs that I was speaking to who were like 20 years older than me And I could also see the shift of sort of brands and businesses going on to social media. And like so many of them just, you know, I'd see them as a consumer and I'd be like, what are they doing? Like this is the cringiest content I've seen in my life. Yeah, plus it's also that bit where it's like, uh, if you're not innocent smoothie, I don't even want to follow you. That was it. I would always like, anytime I was running like another company's Twitter account, I'd be like, what would innocent smoothies do? (laughs) You know, Um, so then was like tapped into the social media thing and just doubled down on it. So like anytime I wanted to work with someone, I was like, let me run your social media for you. Um, so I did that and that kind of was more stuff on my CV and more experience um, and more connections as well. And then I got to my placement year for uni um, and I'll never forget like, so cause I studied French, they, you had to go to France, right? So like half the year group would just elect to study while they were there and then half of us were allowed to work if we wanted to and I was like oh my word of course I'm gonna work like earn money and like get more experience like unreal um but the uni was like pretty dead set on kind of connecting you with a with a company you know they had like all these connections all their mates and I took a look at the list and it was like BNP Paribas, like Société Générale, <laughs> like all these flipping banks. Le bureau de renseignement. Ah bah très bien. But I was like, I'm never going to work for them. So I went into my placement officer's um, office thing and we all had meetings with her to sort of sit down and discuss what we wanted to do. And I rocked up with this like PowerPoint <laughs> and I like outlined because I looked up, looked up the PowerPoint the other day. I just wanted to remind myself of it. And I and I had like listed out like here are the top five roles I want to go after, mm. like job titles. And here are my top five companies that I want to go after. And here's my approach. And here's the strategy. I'm going to like up, upgrade linked to LinkedIn premium for a month and just message all these people. <laughs> here's a list of contacts i'm gonna reach out to like i've done all this stuff yeah and i just like presented this to her and she was just like 
shocked like she was like excuse me and I was like please I was like I'll take an interview with one of your companies as well but like please just let me try this because it's so important to me if I'm going to work while I'm there that I'm doing something that continues to add to the profile I'm building and Mm -hmm. is also just meaningful work like that is something I want to pursue in life so she was like right dead on like off you go um and on that list of companies like number one was Google like I've been obsessed with Google since I decided to become a businesswoman um and number two was this startup called withings that I kept reading about on TechCrunch and then like three was like some journalism thing and four or five whatever um and anyway I was like in my head I always knew like the Google thing I'd pursue when I was when I graduated I was like the big big goal for me and then I went home and checked Google's career pages and there was an internship open and I was like oh mon dieu (laughs) so I then came across a conference that was happening in Paris it was a marketing conference but it was being hosted at Google so (laughs) I saved up my money phoned in a favor from my dad and got flights booked to Paris and just took a week off uni and went to Paris and I was like I'll go to this conference and just network and at the same time set up the meeting with Withings to meet them in person and try like wow them in person um so I rock up to this thing at par in in Paris and I, I'm pretty sure it was the day I got there I opened my email and it was the Google recruiter being like yo uh we got your application would you like to interview Ooh. I nearly died so I was in Paris and I was like, this is unreal, but I'm also talking to all these other companies. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I went to the conference. It was unreal. Like, met the most incredible people. And it was also in Google. So I was, like, totally infatuated with the whole company. <laughs> I was like, oh, my word, they've got sofas. Like, people are working <laughs> on sofas. Um, so that was great. And then went to Withings and they offered me the job while I was there. And all the kind of, like, stars were aligning. Um and then I did my Google interview, which I don't know if you've heard the kind of legends of what please, goes down. Please share them. So Google, the from Google have this adventures. like great interview process. And thankfully it was, I mean, it was just an internship. So it ended up being two video interviews um, and, you know, did all my preparation. But I remember having lunch with my brother the day of my first one and he went to Cambridge. So he had had a similar process where they, they ask you these questions that don't have the right answer. And they just want to see how you think. And that scares the living daylights out of me because I'm a very structured person. (laughs) Like I like to revise for exams. I don't like to get put on the spot. Um, And we like ran through through a couple over lunch of like stuff he'd been asked in his Cambridge interview. So I was like kind of prepared. And I had all these like kind of baseline metrics to run off. Like what is the population of the UK? Like what is the demographic profiling? Like just all this like random data that I had like written down in front of me. And then they, so did all the parts of the interview um, and it was great. I ended up having just the best conversation with them because I love Google, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. it was like so easy for and me. And you're very Googly. Apparently I am quite Googly. Yeah. Um, and they asked me all these questions, which I'm probably not supposed to disclose. Um, but then the one, the the kicker was, so Sarah, um, could you tell me how many computers are sold in France each year? <laughs> I was like, oh my word. So I was like, well, the population of the UK is this. And I'd imagine the population of France is this. And then based on the demographic profiling and, you know, their propensity to buy new computers and just like work through it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, finished the interview 
bawled my eyes out, phoned my dad, I was like, Dad, it was so difficult, like, I'm not going to get it, I've got another one in three days, like, I've just ruined my dreams. (laughs) Um, And then the next one came around, and I was sat in my, like, rubbish wee student flat in Bath, like, the student accommodation was so bad. So expensive, isn't it? And so expensive. My stepsister's over, and it's just mad. It's shocking. And I was there in this tiny wee cold house, getting ready for the call, and I was just up to high do about it, and it was like two minutes before the call and my internet just cut out and it was on Google Hangouts. And I was like, right. So I went out into the hallway and like sat on the stairs of my laptop trying to get it to reconnect oh, no. and it still wouldn't. So it was all of a sudden like 10 minutes into the interview and I still couldn't get the internet to work. And then oh. I was like, oh my word, they asked for my mobile number so that they could phone me if the internet worked and I'd left my phone in my room, ran in, missed calls. No. So I phoned them up and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry, I thought and it was Skype. <laughs> the woman on the other side, she was like, it's fine, but I only have 20 minutes. Like I have a, a hard stop at half past. Um, so we like cycled through the questions, got another one of those difficult questions. Like I just was like having this outer body experience of like, oh my word, I have like messed up this big chance. Um, and that was that. Went off the phone, cried again. It's sort of a similar cycle here. <laughs> um, and then they got back to me two weeks later, and they're like, "Ah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, do you want the internship?" And I was wow. like, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> it was nuts. So that was the Google experience, and flip me, we really got down a rabbit hole there, didn't we? So got the Google internship. Talked to Withings. I was like, right, because Google was in London. I was like, I need to go do this thing in London for three months, but it means I will be better prepared for you whenever I come join you. So I agreed to start Google literally like four days after I finished the uni year and just like go straight down to London, get started, had the summer of my life. It was phenomenal. And then finished Google, went home for the weekend and then moved to Paris on the Sunday. And then got into a year at Withings and did all that. And then went back to uni, did some more startup stuff. And then finally, we get to my conversation with these blokes in New York, and they're like, "You're great," because I, I, because you just told them what what you told us there. That was it. Actually, we had a thirty minute call, and it was just me recounting that exact same story. It worked. Tell me this: your young enterprise story. Oh well, yeah, it's. I will tell you my young enterprise story. So, because um, it's something that you you casually just twice you were just like. My young enterprise story, but that's that. Da, da, da. Yeah, so now it, I'm like, I have to know. It's a real chapter in my life, I Because that's also how we met. That's it. You know, because we met, because Young Enterprise, Northern Ireland took us over, uh, myself and some other young entrepreneurs uh, to New York. And we had the lovely tour of Betaworks, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. And I'm curious to know what your origin story is. <laughs> So um, I went to Ballymena Academy, which is this, you know, fantastic school in Ballymena, um, so strong academically and for sports, which were just the two things that I adored. Um, but then I had this kind of epiphany in GCSE economics where I was like, I want to be a businesswoman. And I was trying to find a way to like start to pursue that or yep. sort of feel out what that, that would look like. And Cambridge House, which is literally across the road from us every year we're like winning young enterprise in Ballymena. <laughs> so in lower sixth i pitch it to the teachers and they're like nah we haven't done that in 10 years we're not doing it we don't have enough resource like you need to focus on your a levels whatever no and i was like flip me 
and it just sat in the back of my head and it got to upper sixth and I don't know if I just had more confidence or what it was and I was like no we are doing young enterprise like I refuse to take no for an answer <laughs> so the first week of term because I knew I'd like looked up young enterprise online I had all the dates written down and everything and I knew I had like two weeks to get them on board before yeah. the the cycle started so I phoned up Young Enterprise and <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I pretended to be a teacher. <laughs> and, uh, and I got all the information. I was like, oh, right, right. Uh-huh. And these are all the resources. Right, right, right. And, My and word. got all the information I needed. Then um, I, I did economics and business studies for A-level and I had these two like really great classes um, of, of just like peers. And I went into both those classes and I was like, right, here's the plan. Like we're going to do Young Enterprise. Who's in? This is great for your CV. Like pitched it to them. And I, I managed to get, I think it was like four people signed up and you needed six for a team. So I then bribed my best friend. Who, so funny. Dear helper, Emma Simpson, a true, a true friend. I was like. What a martyr for the cause. I was like, Emma, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be there and Mm -hmm. she was like fine so had all them signed up and then I created this like document like this pack with like all the information like I had profiles of each of the team members and like quotes from them for like why they wanted to take part in this and how amazing it would be for their like educational career and got it printed out went to Tesco and got those like wee ring binder things or whatever (laughs) and I made six of them one for every member of the senior staff in Ballymena Academy and I got into school early one morning and I just went around each of their like classrooms and just set it on their desk with like no note or anything just like just set it on the desk and then that afternoon I was sat in economics class and the headmaster's uh, secretary came to the door who and she never leaves her office and she knocked the door and uh, and she was like, uh, Mr. Hazard, our principal, Mr. Hazard would like to speak to Sarah McBride. Dun, and the dun, whole room was dun. like, Ooh. because also like important side note, I, in my whole school career, never got detention. I was like the ultimate goody two shoes, like was never in trouble. This is a severe plot twist for your classmates. Then. And they were like hold up <laughs> so i follow her to the headmaster's office and i go in and he <laughs> sit down and he has the wee document and he just slides it across <laughs> the table and he was like do you know what position you put me in here <laughs> and i was like i'm very sorry i'm very very sorry and he was like you do realize i can't say no <laughs> and i was like oh what a shame <laughs> anyway we had a we had a really good chat and he was he he was really great he was so supportive and he was like you know what you've put the work in here we'll we'll run it as an experiment um you've got a really good case here like 100 percent. let's do it so that was great mission young enterprise was a go and uh and then i remember our first meeting got the team together and i was like right lads um, we've worked so hard to get here. <laughs> we can't be making key rings and mugs. I just have, I picture you with a megaphone at this point <laughs> and like a flag wrapped around you. <laughs> Doing the ultimate rousing speech. No, I was like, we're not making key rings and mugs. Like, mm-hmm. come on, we can do better than that. Yeah. So I was like, um, why don't we make an app? And someone was like, but Sarah, none of us can code. This is circa what, 2011? No, no, I'm not. I'm not that old. No, it was, uh, this was 2013. Mm-hmm. 2013. 
Um, and I, <laughs> I'm not that old. I'm not 25. <laughs> I'm 23. Um, and we, I had this like phenomenal, phenomenal history teacher at school. And I'd had him. He was my the first teacher I had when I started Academy on the first day, the first taught period. And he was this like technological genius. Like everything we did, he integrated technology into it. Like he had all the Apple gear ever. He was like obsessed with Apple. Nice. Um, and like in lower sixth, he was like, here, if any of you have iPads, I've put your entire um, AS level course on iTunes. So you can do the whole course and get the textbook on your iPad. And I was like, that's unreal. What a legend. Like I was just obsessed. And then I started talking to him about this new thing called EdTech, educational technology. And I was like, oh my word, like technology could literally revolutionize the education process. Um, so I had all this in the back of my head and I was like, why don't we make an app mm-hmm. for schools in Northern Ireland? So pitched this to the team. They were like, you're nuts. Um, but they were, <laughs> but like also they were super excited. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. everybody wants to make an app when sure. you're like a teenager. Um, so then my sister, uh, my older sister was studying at Queens and she was doing computer science. So all her mates were like code and stuff. And she had this one friend called Matthew Large who had just started a company called Glister, which is like huge now, but at the time it was like just starting. <laughs> and I got on the blower to him and we, so if you're familiar with Young Enterprise, like you raise money by selling shares to your family and friends and they're a pound each. Um, and there's like, I think a limit of like 20 quid is like how much one person can buy in shares. Um, so we sold all our shares like Every member of my extended family had bought shares in this company and our, the maximum capital you could raise was 500 quid. So yeah. we'd maxed out. Yeah. So we'd 500 quid in the bank. And this bloke, Matthew, was like, I will make your app for 500 quid, which is just like so cheap. But at the time Ooh. you're like, oh, that's all our money. I know. But today it's like We're 20, the farm on this one, lads. pounds to like even build like a page of a website. Yeah. So it was like, he did us a huge favor. Um, but like building an app takes time. So we, there were like the trade fairs that you do in Young Enterprise where you go to the, you know, the tower center or whatever and you set up a stall and the trade fair was coming up and like we still didn't have our app, um, <laughs> but we had to like be there and sell stuff. So I remember we sat in my front room and we'd gone to like one of those hardware stores or whatever and we were making these little like pots with like star starburst in them and like rulers so we could go to this trade fair and me and the team, they were, we had the best time and we were at this trade fair you know getting rid of all these rulers and i stood there with my ipad and the judges would come around and they'd look at the rulers and i'd be like let me talk to you about the future of education technology in northern ireland and we had like mock-ups like wireframes on the ipad of like how the app would look and the app was which i haven't told you that oh drum roll the app was don't do it a homework homework diary app huge and truly ahead of its time (laughs) truly truly ahead of its time um because people lose their homework all the time all the time i went through at least four a year and then they don't know what the homework is yeah and then they get in trouble their education falls behind the teacher's angry you know all these you know and teacher just thinks instant false excuse that's it dog eat your homework lost your homework diary yeah right sucker move on get get on their phones so 
this was the idea and it, it made total sense um so that was great and we we did the trade fairs and everybody thought it was great and we we're like grand like or any day now we'll have this app ready ready <laughs> to go ready to put on the market and then i was like oh flip we need to monetize and i at the time <laughs> that is such a young enterprise move oh yeah oh, we need to make money I forgot <laughs> I forgot that's the whole point of the entire program and at that time actually if you look at app development um sort of in those days it was everything was very much uh running off mobile ads so if you look at things today you know the subscription model and freemium is way more prevalent um and back then it was you know people running like ad mobile ads within their within their apps so i was like right we'll have to do advertising um but i didn't really know how ad mobile worked and all that carry on so i just started phoning up local businesses (laughs) and being like so we're building an app and um would you like to have a banner ad within the app and i remember trying to get the mobile number for the head of danske bank (laughs) and i was just on google like googling it and and i just got this like random number and got put through like three different people and then like i'm pretty sure it was one of the banks up here and i was put on the phone with them and got through and just sort of like stumbled through the pitch and it was in school at the time because I think I like had to go play hockey or something and I had 15 oh minutes goodness. and I was in the girls' toilets with like the echo going. There's, there's nowhere in, when no, you're, there's no, there's nowhere in school yeah, for people to no take calls. There's, there's no, no phone, yeah, there's no yeah. meeting rooms. Yeah. Like, so I was in, in the girls' toilets <laughs> with the echo going and the toilets sloshing in the my goodness. Pitching my app to this bloke who was just, who must have thought it was a joke. Basically, long story short, no one wanted to sponsor the app. <sighs> um, and then it just came didn't... to the pitch day and the night before, we still didn't have the app. We had spent the week preparing for this thing with just the wireframes mm-hmm. for the big presentation. Um, still no app. And the night before at 10 o'clock, Matthew sends me a message and he's like, I've got the alpha ready. Because it's an alpha. Like, it's it's like the bare bones yeah, of an yeah, app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had, like, something which I had loaded on my phone. Oh, my and we goodness. went into the pitch. And I was able to show them. I was like, we made this. Like, and it's in my phone. Um, and we were so buzzed. We were like, we have this in the bag. Sure. And the judges hated it. <sighs> they absolutely hated it. They were like, um, so you're telling us you spent 500 quid and you've made 90 quid from selling rollers in the tar center. <laughs> Which means you're still out 410 quid. And I was like, but look at the app it's on the f- like we made that it's on the f- mm. they were like i'm sorry it just like and they just drilled into it they were like you haven't made any money like don't uh. know how you're gonna make any money um and like they gave us credit they were like fair play like sure. you're one of the first teams to try and make an app like fair dues but like you haven't made any money mm-hmm. so super disheartening we went to the awards um it was just like regional at this stage and we got the award for innovation which was great and I won Young Entrepreneur for the Ballymena area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was, I, I was chuffed. Yeah. Um, but no, we didn't win the, I'm pretty sure Cambridge House won it again with oh, some variation of key rings and mugs. So I was distraught, but I could still go to the final as like a young entrepreneur or whatever. Um, and for that, there was, you know, you sat down in front of a panel of judges and you had to present a business idea to them. And I was like, well, They've just told me my homework diary app isn't going to work. So I had to like very quickly come up with some like vague idea. And I, I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll like, I'll pass it off. And of course I didn't. 
um, went into the interview, chatted a load of rubbish, and then the awards night was the night before my A level French exam. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to go. Like, I'm gonna win this. Like, I, I was like, I'm gonna win this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, went to the awards night. Didn't win. Didn't win the award. Um, and had to go do my my A level French the next day. But the story doesn't end there. So I sort of got over the fact I didn't win, which was totally fair enough, seeing as I did not have a business sure. and I was not an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and they gave it to this awesome girl who was building farm tech, which is incredible Damn. Um, when you're like 17. But they phoned me up a few weeks later and they said, so we're doing, it was Young Enterprise. They were like, we have two spots for two people in Northern Ireland to go to this conference in Canada, all expenses paid. It's called the Next Generation Leaders Conference. And it's all these like high flying kids from all over the world. They're going to come in and it's like a week long of workshops. And you come up with a business idea and it's, it'll be great. Like, do you want to go? And I was like, oh my word, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> so I went to this conference and it was truly life-changing. Like I had never left Europe and all of a sudden I was in wow. Canada. There were people from all over the world there and I have always been quite an extroverted person, but in Northern Ireland, um, we're very measured and it's Mm -hmm. what makes us great, but also can sort of hold us back. Um, And at school, I was always very careful to not get too carried away with things and not get too loud and too like hyper and worked up because, you know, you're expected to sort of stay in the middle and and measured and and that's fine. And I go to Canada and everybody is like... (laughs) jumping around the place, hanging from the roof, like <laughs> so loud, over the top, yeah, yeah, energetic. Yeah. And oh my word, it was like coming home. And I just had the best week of my life. And anyway, the, the whole point of it was you got put into teams, then you came up with a business idea and presented it on the final day. And I um, had this great, great team and sort of presented this idea to them that was modeled off. So it was, it, it was a business idea that was supposed to improve the local economy um, of the town that we were staying in. And I proposed this idea that was just fully modeled off what the science park had done, where it's an innovation center and it's a place for businesses to come in and get advice. But also there's like a separate investment fund and they can connect them. And it's just like really a focal point for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we presented it and we won. Yo. And it was like, okay, so I didn't win this Young Enterprise Award. My app was a complete failure. But despite all of that, they've still sort of taken a chance on me and given me this opportunity to go to Canada And they were totally right because I just got there and it was the perfect place for me. And I could go on and sort of win that award. And it meant more to me because it was this global thing. Um, And yeah, and then ever since then, I've just stayed really close contact with Young Enterprise because I just learned so much from that experience. And I just think it's invaluable what they're doing in schools and communities across Northern Ireland. They're giving young people both the skills and confidence to go and create things for themselves and I think there's nothing more valuable to both the human who's on the receiving end of that but also for society and the economy that we're building here because I think the future here will be built by the young people today 100% and you know there's nothing better than building your own business like that is such a skill set to have so you know young enterprise means so much to me um and and that opportunity was truly invaluable for me Mm. despite the fact i completely failed at building an app (laughs) (laughs) even as you're sitting here though like i'm just thinking i'm like dude like why why is like young enterprise not like an a level you know what I mean? That would be unreal. Because I, I, I mean, I think they call it business studies, <laughs> but um, it's totally different. Because I mean, I studied international management, 
with French uni. And that is essentially a, a glorified business degree. And it is important to have the theoretical side of business as kind of your foundation. But I just think there's nothing better than going out and putting it into practice. Like mm-hmm. that, it's applied learning. Yeah. But it's applied learning where you may actually make money out of it. Yeah. That's unreal. I know. I went through Young Enterprise as well. Really, really enjoyed it. We ran a t-shirt company called Quirk Tees. Oh, really? And actually, I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, the t-shirts are actually still being sold on, it's like FBA by Amazon. So it's all just kind of like, they're, st- they're still going. Yeah. yeah. So I don't actually do any, yeah. but we used to like print them in my mom's garage and like pack them up and like ship them. And my granny would come in and like, I remember doing like 400 t-shirts for the Lyric Theater and like granny would come in. She would help me like fold them and all. And it was mad. And we got to the UK final. Oh I remember like, being really, really proud and being like, yeah, like we've sold to like 40 different countries on eBay. Like it's such a big deal. And then like we got to the very last stage. And then this lawyer from Wall Street was like, I see here in the terms and conditions of PayPal that you must be 18 years old. <gasps> yet you are 16 <gasps> years old. And I was like, no, no. And I just saw like everything like crumble around me and so like, you know, effectively disqualified and just like really oh I was like Oh my Ugh. word, are you serious? And then was gutted because we didn't win. And I'd like bet the farm. I'd like <laughs> you know, literally like this was my life for like so 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 long. Yeah. But that failure set me up for so much more success down the line. Mm-hmm. And T shirts <laughs> you're wearing just tell me what you're wearing. I know. Tell the listeners what you're wearing, I suppose, would be. So right now, right now, sorry, we, we lost the accent there for a week. You know what? There's been a couple of times and I've just said, Matthew, just just say nothing. Just, just leave You it said me. it was the word R. Instead of R, you said, what did I say? Probably hour. Hour. Yeah, it yeah. was the error at the end. I was yeah. like, oh, Sarah, it's okay. Well, we'll just breeze past that. <laughs> so right now, um, <laughs> I am wearing a t-shirt um, with some embroidery on it. And the embroidered pattern has been generated by artificial intelligence. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and yeah, that's, and I made the t-shirt. Well, the, the AI designed <laughs> the t-shirt, but I am, I'm one of the co-founders behind the company, um, creating the t-shirts. So Cross and Freckle, really, yes. really cool company, really cool name. How did you come up with the name? <laughs> I suppose I'll just give you the whole story well, because it's, uh, it's, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. So, um, I work in New York and I work in a venture capital fund and I'm surrounded by these incredibly talented founders all the time building the future. Um, and my fund invests thematically. So we had just wrapped up an accelerator program with six, seven teams building around AI generated media. Um, so AI recently had this development, um, and part of it was all of a sudden the, the kind of public availability of internet scale data sets. And with AI, the output is only ever as good as the input. And finally we had this massive volume to train the AI on. So the output became way better. Um, and there was this new phenomenon came about called, um, deep fakes and they're awful, right? So it's where AI has become so sophisticated where it can manipulate and change videos to make it look like someone said something else, was somewhere else, 
looked a little different and it, it's almost indistinguishable to the naked human eye and that wow. is purely driven by artificial intelligence as a result of the the advancements in the technology in literally the past three years and that's called a deep fake and it's called a deep fake and it's okay. about to completely upend every election process that we're going to have until the detection technology can catch up it's it's super dangerous super nefarious but the fact of the matter is the technology is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no genie back in the bottle moment. We just, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. as a society need to catch up with it and the technologists need to find the detection solutions. So as investors, we we saw this, this awful technology start to take hold. And as investors, we have the power to incentivize the positive application for it and, you know, obviously make money off that because yeah, you're yeah, investors yeah. at the end of the day, but also incentivize the creation of detection companies as well. So we ran an accelerator program fully dedicated to that. And we had a detection company in there. We have a company um, who built this like synthetic uh, musician and the music and the music videos was all powered by AI. So it was wow. synthetically generated music. Um, we we just had a bunch of really great companies. And actually this form of AI is going to be really powerful for artists. Um, sorry, powerful for artists. <laughs> just call myself there. Is going to be really powerful, really powerful for artists because AI can become both our 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 co creator and a sort of tool for humans to to make things more efficient or to generate things that we never could have imagined in our human brain because it's the product of the AI's interpretation of the world and the interpretation of the data set. Super, super, super interesting. It is literally the future. If you do one thing today, it's like understand what deep fakes are because they're going to be really important to civic society and voting in the future. Um, but just from an investor's perspective and the future of technology, it's super interesting. So I had spent three months, maybe even more, immersed in this and hanging around people building it. Um, and so too had two of the people I work with at Betaworks. And the three of us came together and my friend Tyler, he was itching to start a company. He just wanted to know what it would be like because his job involves working with founders every day. And I was like, yeah, like I'm always interested in this. And then our third friend, Paul, was actually the technologist amongst us. And he'd already started experimenting with this AI. Um, and we were like, let's start a company and let's base it around this new type of AI because it's super interesting and super hot right now. And then I was like, well, we should probably just do T-shirts, shouldn't we? Because everybody starts with a T-shirt company. Sure. Um, and yeah, and then I think it was either Paul or Tyler went away and they found this open source data set. So it was created by Google. They had run an experiment called um, Google Quick Draw, where people would go onto the website and they would be given a word like cat and they'd have to start drawing a cat and see how long it took the computer to guess what they were drawing. Ah. So they were training a Google algorithm, but at the same time, just creating this fun game for game for people. (laughs) 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 Game for people to play. Um, And as a result, they had over a million human drawn sketches of a bunch of different things wow. and they took all those doodles and just open sourced the data set so we were like hey we have all these doodles that we could run through a, a certain algorithm called a variational auto encoder and output this one image that kind of summarizes what all the inputs look like and gives its own the ai's interpretation so we're like sick we have the data set we're going to put it on a t-shirt we have all the component parts here yeah And then I finally did something useful for the team because up until this, it was all Tyler and Paul. (laughs) And I was like, well, why don't we choose? Because we were like, oh, we have to choose which images we want because there were like 
50. And I was like, well, why don't we choose them based on life in New York? Because mm-hmm. we all live in New York. But I think like Paul's from Canada. Tyler is from New York. I'm not from New York. But we're all living here at the moment. And also the AI scene is really up and coming in New York versus, you know, other other tech cities. Um I was like, this all makes sense. And also I'm from a marketing background. So I was like, you know, build the story into the product. Um, So we chose a pizza slice, a dog, a rat and a pigeon (laughs) to represent life in New York. And we got hundreds of thousands of doodles from this open source training set for each of those items, put them through the AI. And it actually, so what it does is it spits out like 20 different versions. So we just chose the one that would, look best on a t-shirt and then put them on a t-shirt um and yeah and actually from like an operational standpoint it's quite interesting and it's it's probably similar to what you experience now with um your t-shirts but it's all automated so all we had to do was i mean first of all the ai is instrumental in creating the doodle but again the human still retains an important role in the creation process because we become the curator so there were 20 20 outfits and we got to choose which one would look best so the human becomes the curator and then we got a designer to go over the line and then we find a drop shipping company so this is this brand new form of production really where you outsource everything to another company and they actually will have factories local to your market and they just print on demand like piece by piece so good um and then we use shopify and the shopify plugged in with the drop shipping company and you just spin the thing up and just let it run so that was all everything was in place we got the samples the t-shirts look great like me tyler and paul were wearing the t-shirts for a month <laughs> and people were like what is that t-shirt you're wearing? but it was it was a great way to just sort of like test the water yeah. and see how people would respond to them and that was great and then they kept sort of looking to me and they're like right sarah when are you launching and i wanted everything <laughs> to be perfect yeah but at the same time had a very demanding full-time job and just could not find the time and energy to put into it and then finally i think it was tyler like just gave me a deadline he was like our t-shirt company must be launched <laughs> by this date and i was like right lads right right right, i'm on it and um and off i went and it was so the deadline to launch was the wednesday because it was the third of july the day before fourth of july like that was my absolute deadline <laughs> And on the Monday night or on the Monday during the day, we all wore t-shirts into work. And at lunch, we walked the High Line and got our friend to come and tag photos on my iPhone of all of us wearing our t-shirts. And then we went to our favorite pizza place, Artichoke, and got slices of pizza. Yeah, right there in Chelsea, yeah. With the Artichoke pizza. So um, good. Because Tyler was wearing the pizza t-shirt. So we did this photo shoot of him with the pizza. Um, and, And yeah, just like took all these photos on my iPhone. And I went home that night and I just spun up the whole storyline. So like the website was like very bare bones at this point. So we'd also made a decision coming back to your question about the ridiculous name of the company, which is Cross and Freckle. Um, once we generated the t-shirts with AI, we sort of thought how much of this company could we actually create with AI? Because again, from a marketing standpoint, it just adds to the storyline. Um, and at that time on, on this website called product hunt, we'd seen a bunch of, uh, companies popping up using this type of AI. And one of them was called hipster business name. And what you do with it is you go on and you just click refresh and it just generates these random business names that, that are trained off a data set of hipster businesses. So you would just get all this weird stuff like Amber and gravel and like, 
you know, basil and green and yeah, just yeah, stupid yeah. sound and stuff. So we cycled through about three of them and then landed on Cross and Freckle. And all of us were like, do you know, it sounds like something, <laughs> but it's just slightly off. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. you're like, why does that sound like something I know? Yeah. And we were like, that's, that's amazing because it's so random, but also people like kind of stumble across it. And like, wait, what? So we bought the domain name for that. Um, and that was our name. And then it also generates a logo for you. So we had this like AI generated logo, AI generated name, AI generated t-shirts. And then there's also this thing called talk to transformer and it does AI generated text. Um, so some of the marketing copy on the website is AI generated and it just makes absolutely no sense, (laughs) but like all the words are in the right order and the all like it's proper English. Yeah. But if you read the body of text, it doesn't, ladder up to anything it's complete Mm -hmm. word salad yeah um so we had all that kind of going on and it was the monday night and i went home and literally opened up like a photo editing app like it wasn't even photoshop or anything i can't afford that and just edited all the photos put a filter across all of them went into figma which is free as well made all these like graphics and stuff and like things to really play into like the new york narrative and send it over to the guys and they were like oh this is sick and i was like yeah i think we're really close to launching did all the website copy and then i was like we need to launch on product hunt yeah um which for anybody who doesn't know it's this website where every day people hunt products and apps and cool things and then the community goes on and upvotes it if they think it's cool and they can leave comments and ask questions to the people who've made it and it's it's like this wonderful kind of front page for startup land where you can find the coolest stuff being built um but it's become a really really strong marketing channel for startups now so I was like, we have to launch on here because it's like, it's cool. Like, it's really cool to launch on Product Hunt. Yeah. Um, and I had some friends who worked at Product Hunt and launched stuff at Product Hunt. So it got to the Tuesday and I sent it through to my friend Nick, who was going to hunt it for us. I just sent him this Google Doc with like high level information, pictures, whatever. And he was like, right, it's going to go online at midnight San Francisco time. So it was a Tuesday and I was like, grand. And I like drafted some tweets, like had everything kind of ready. But the key with Product Hunt is you need to be online when the product page goes live so you can send it to people and get mm. them to upvote it because mm. there's an algorithm. So you have to hit it at the you right time to, to get pulled into the front page. So I was like, grand, um, I'll just stay up <laughs> until the page goes live. And I'm, again, have no common sense or common knowledge. <laughs> and I actually just couldn't figure out when midnight San Francisco time was <laughs> in New York. And I was like, oh, it's like 2 a.m., isn't it? Yeah. No, it's 3 a.m. Oh. So I was sat there and it got to 1 a.m. And I was like, oh, what have I let myself in for? And then it got to 2 a.m. And then I finally had the sense to Google what time is actually midnight and i was like oh no just one more hour to go <laughs> anyway page goes live thankfully i have friends in the uk who were just waking up so i blasted it out to all of them i was like this thing's just gone live i've been working on this for months haven't told you about it check it out upvote it um stayed online for an hour because you also have to post your maker comment and just kind of send the tweets do all the things to to sort of get yeah. it set up in a good place Went to sleep, woke up at 7 a.m. My phone was exploding. Went on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter had exploded. We were the number three top product on the homepage. It had just taken off in like a couple of hours. Um, and it was so exciting. Like I would just have these apps like randos just tweeting me being like, <laughs> this is so cool. And I was like, they've literally found this because I put it on one website. Yeah. And everybody on the website thinks it's cool. 
so that day was insane we finished the day second most hunted product on product hunt we we um broke even within like a couple of hours of it being live because we were getting so many orders so that was a huge relief because it's really like from the offset was a side project that we weren't anticipating making money from but at the very least you want to make the money back that you invest in it so that was a huge relief within the first few hours to just be in like a solid place from that sense and then we started running into problems where like we had all this website traffic from France because this like rando fashion publication in France wrote a story about us and we didn't have shipping turned on to France. <laughs> and I was like on the analytics page, just like looking at all the website traffic and abandoned carts. I was like, that's no. lost money. Um, but that was so exhilarating as well, to, like figure out the fix for that. And then the next day was the 4th of July and I had gone out to the Hamptons to celebrate that, which was great to get some like downtime after the craziness of a product hunt launch. And all of a sudden like three friends text me at the exact same time and I was like yes and they were like you're in product hunt daily um product Hunt daily is this newsletter that goes out to literally hundreds of thousands of people and it's the best of product hunt mm. and we were literally the featured story in oh, it. like nice. you open the email and there were three paragraphs about cross and freckle and like Unreal. AI being the future of fashion and again, the orders just streamed in. Like, I was just getting notifications notification <laughs> on my phone of, like, this order has been submitted. This order has been submitted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I would, like, look at the people who were placing the orders and look them up on Twitter. <laughs> and all of a sudden, but, like, there was such a commonality across it. It was all these software engineers, mm-hmm. but then all these venture capitalists, like, all these big, 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 big name people Very nice. were ordering the T-shirts. And I just, I, I couldn't get over it. Um, so that was crazy. And then you know, enjoy the rest of the week and weekend off. And then Monday, Tyler forwards me, forwarded me an email that he got um, from the contact form in the website. And it was a journalist at Wired Ooh. had reached out via our website and was like, hey, I came across this. Would love to write a story about it. And we had no plans to do PR because yeah. like PR is so difficult to get right and it takes a lot of work. We yeah. had zero plans. And here we were getting literally like, the dream journalist from the dream publication reach out to us mm-hmm. to ask for an interview so the next day paul and i hopped on the phone with her and like i did a bunch of prep like sent her a load of information and we talked you know paul and i had talked a lot about what are future implications of this talk technology so that we could sort of be a resource to her as well rather than just talk about ourselves yeah um have a 30 minute chat with her and two days later we were on the front page of wired unbelievable and that's the t-shirt company and now <laughs> um I, i'd hear from my parents to hear this but anyway um i have now had two instances where i'm on a dating app and someone will message me and say are you the girl who makes the ai t-shirts <laughs> like that's where it, what it's come to that's unbelievable it's, it's unreal and like at least once a week someone will tweet me someone from literally like i had someone from ecuador mm-hmm. last week um although he's, he's based in san francisco at the moment he just tweeted me like find me on twitter sent me a tweet of him in the t-shirt and he's like so excited got my ai t-shirt <laughs> like it's it's insane that's unreal so that's the t-shirts all of this said okay the first question that i wanted to ask you <laughs> After all that, sorry. <laughs> this is just the check. <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> why tech what is it about technology that clearly has gripped you from a young age that has just captured your whole imagination and up until this point you've dedicated your life to it yeah why 
Well, I, I read this book, I think it was like a textbook at uni, um, and literally the opening line of it was entrepreneurs are the new rock stars. And today where there is most opportunity for entrepreneurs is in technology because technology is building the future and that is where you're going to capture more people's imaginations where you're going to capture more of a market people are out there creating markets it's where the investors are putting their money um and it's just this phenomenal intersection of disciplines and people and it's it's actually it's hard to articulate I just I think there's nothing more exciting than being the person building the future Mm -hmm. and that is what technology does um but also for me why it really appealed to me was I didn't really know what I was getting into whenever I started working in those tech startups but there's this great culture around technology where all the kind of rules are being rewritten so you know, I could have approached a, a sort of run-of-the-mill business and asked to get an internship, age 17, and they mm-hmm. probably would have laughed me out of the room or I would have been stuck making the tea and coffee. Yeah. And there I was sat in a startup and sat at the science park given actual responsibility for stuff where... Yeah, you just seated at the table and... That's it. And my yeah. ideas were valued and I just, I was totally and utterly hooked on that. Mm. The fact that they actually cared about what I had to say and where my ideas were seen as valuable. And I realized that I had ideas that were valuable to the organization. They were just saying that to me. And I just thought that was great. Just the opportunity both, you know, there's no age limits, but also I I truly believe there are very few socioeconomic limits. And like, you know, I grew up in Ballymena, um, probably never thought I'd end up in New York. And once you tap into the the tech ecosystem, it's it's a global thing and no one cares where you're from. You can work remote, you can build a company in some remote island and have customers from all over the world. And yeah. it just seemed like this limitless opportunity to build a future. And I've literally been hooked on it ever since. Unreal. Why do you love Normal People by Sally Rooney? <laughs> I forgot I told you that. Um, first of all, she's an Irish author, so that's that's amazing. Um, I have never been someone who reads fiction. I always figured that any spare time I have, I should be learning something. Um, so would just delve into the nonfiction. And um, my friend over in New York was like, you have to read this. And I was absolutely hooked. And I haven't been hooked on a book in a, in a long time. And what I really like about the book is that it it sort of follows these um, two teenagers in in Dublin. I think they're in Dublin, they're in the South. And it follows them through this very complicated relationship that they have and, and follows them as they understand what love means and what the hard decisions you have to make when you're in a relationship. Um, but you're also trying to be figure out who you are as a person because you're mm. like in your 20s. Yeah, sure. And I just thought it was so raw and so real and, and such a wonderful contrast to so many books that you might read or movies that you might see about what it means to fall in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just really painted this like raw and honest picture of the compromises that people make and the difficult decisions that they have to make. And I don't know, it just, it was so refreshing 
Um, and I also just have got this newfound love for fiction. You know, we were talking before about your friend who had that great quote, but about fiction, which I won't attempt to butcher now, but it, it is, it's always great to sort of understand the world through someone else's eyes. And that's what you get when you read fiction. Yeah. And I can't believe I've gone like all my life so far, <laughs> not indulging in that. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so yeah, it was, it's a great book. Awesome. So I'm going to like forewarn you and uh, not try to like manipulate emotions or conversation. The next, we're moving into the phase of the interview where it's a bit more about you. Oh. It's a bit more um, kind of more like deeper or personal sort of questions. So as I'd say to people, look, go as deep into these as you want or don't go there at all if you don't <laughs> want to. Right. So I always like to give people that instead of trying to, you know, create some sort of atmosphere or whatever um, but the first one was how have you dealt with the loneliness of living in the big city it's been the single biggest challenge okay. of of moving to new york so i as i said earlier i went there for the job mm-hmm. um and when i moved to new york i had no family there still have no family there and i knew two girls that i'd interned with at google in london and that was the totality of the people I knew in the United States of America. <laughs> so I landed there and honestly, I, I also hadn't thought about the move at all because I was convinced I wasn't going to get my visa. Mm-hmm. Um, so hadn't sort of mentally prepared in any way whatsoever. I literally landed at midnight and went to work the next day and that was it. I was living in New York. Um, and initially it was completely fine because it was just such a new environment. I had so much going on with work. You got the buzz, you got the high, it's that, all new. That's it. You, yeah. Like I, I didn't, I didn't even have time to feel lonely. And then you sort of clear your first three months and things start to get difficult. You have to find accommodation. You realize you've no money despite getting paid a very high salary because everything is so expensive. The weather starts to get cold um you know the subway breaks down and you're on it it's just like one thing after another and it's at times like that that you look to the people that you have intimacy or a relationship with to to sort of reassure assure you or just distract you from it and it was then that I kind of looked around me and I was like I have no family if I want to contact my parents to to moan down the phone to you have them to wait until like two o'clock that's it the with the time difference it's yeah. just it's really hard to do and usually i'd be fine in the morning and i'd do a really long day in work and it would just totally take it out of me and i'd go home and all i'd want to do is phone up my mom and dad and they'd be asleep mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't like i'd know when to phone like i'd be walking home from work just dying to have a chat with someone to like yeah. get it off my chest and there was no one to talk to um so it was, it was pretty tough and uh, I had like a major housing crisis. I've actually lived in five apartments in 10 months, um, which has just been, it's just been crazy. I've had absolutely zero sense of, of stability in my life since moving to New York. You are like a rock star. You live out of your suitcase. <laughs> Be careful what you I'll wish for. I'll remember that. I'll remember <laughs> that next time. Um, and it was really tough and it was getting into winter and no one was out socializing because it was absolutely Baltic. And I was actually at the time living in an apartment. Someone was doing me a favor. I didn't have to pay rent, but I was living in an unfurnished apartment, um, which was at the time when I moved in, had no hot water. And they were like, oh, it'll be fixed. And I was there for six weeks and it never had hot water. And I would um, get up at 5 a.m. to get a 50 minute train into Manhattan because I was pretty deep into Brooklyn um, to go to the gym before work so that I could have a shower. Mm -hmm. 
um and have hot water sure and because it was also baltic like i was not gonna have cold people shower. underestimate how cold new york can be it's yeah when so, we were there it, it was like minus 35 some days we were it was like actually in relation to that a milder winter but still it was cold. still like minus every day yeah and you're not um, in a car, you know, you're walking no, a lot that's of places. It. You're walking to the You're subway. like so exposed to the elements. It's such a weird it's a dynamic. W- weird, weird place in winter. Um, and there I was absolutely frozen. So that was probably like the lowest point of just like loneliness and like instability. Um, and, and what I now refer to as character building. Um, and it definitely built up a lot of resilience. And then we sort of got into, into spring and that's when things start to click into place. So I moved into another apartment. It was in Chinatown. So it was in Manhattan. I was like way closer to things. Mm-hmm. I started doing workout classes with a friend from work. And that meant that every Saturday without fail, I had socializing time yeah. and, you know, it was great. And we became really, really good friends. So that was nice. I was like, I have one friend. <laughs> and then, then the tech community really just, just did me a good one um i sort of got the confidence to go off and start inserting myself into the community just as me and not as an employee of my company um and just tapped into the kind of there's this really great strong circle of young people in tech in new york because the thing is san francisco tech is the only industry in town so you will walk into any coffee shop and everybody there is working in tech so you don't actually have to make much of an effort to like find your tribe versus in new york it's one of many industries so people work a lot harder to build that sense of community and to have meetups and to just connect together on twitter um and i finally tapped into that and started getting invited to all these events and i went to house parties and went for coffee with like three different people a week and just started to build up that network and what was great was was because it was fellow young people new to the city working in tech we had all the same interests ambitions and it went very quickly from oh we're just having a coffee to get to know each other to like these people are my friends um and i'm i'm super lucky i have this amazing network of just highly ambitious but like really funny <laughs> friends yeah um in new york now that i can always turn to and then in addition to that uh i'm a hockey player and i found a hockey club and hockey season came around and every friday night i'm on this rando football pitch in greenwich village with the most international bunch of people i've ever been around playing hockey and having the crack and it's just it's like finally clicked <laughs> and i actually have people to hang out with it's which so is good. really nice so good <sighs> One of the stock questions we always ask is if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for a coffee, uh, dead or alive, who would you take? Maybe where would you take them? And I suppose, well, you'll tell me anyway, but why? I know exactly the person. So this woman was actually very, very instrumental in my kind of tech awakening and she's no idea who I am. (laughs) Um, So there's a woman called Sarah Fryer. I'm interviewing her in an R. (laughs) <laughs> are you serious yeah are you serious no honestly yeah so i mean people are going to find out when they hear this interview but um sarah fryer is from county down i think or Sion mills Sion mills and she was the cfo of a company called square which is one of the hottest startups it's not even a startup anymore they raised a ton of money they're huge um it's a payments platform that was founded by twitter's co-founder jack dorsey and she was the CFO. She's now a different company now called Next Door. Next Door. That's the one. Um, and she's just had this phenomenal career in tech 
in America. The re- only reason I mentioned your CV and your resume was star-studded is because I thought the exact same thing when I looked at Sarah Fryer's. I promise you, I'm not even saying that. Yeah. Like, if you look at Sarah Fryer's kind of trajectory, I'm not going to into it now because, you know, we'll get into it in that episode. <laughs> but it's just all the dream places you want to go. It's just boom, 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 boom. She's unreal. Sorry, keep, keep going. She's she's phenomenal. But how I came across her was I was at um, this Generation Innovation event. So it's hosted every year for young people by the by Catalyst, or at least it was when I was a young person. Um, and they have different speakers and it's, it's great. And they had her one year as a speaker. And I think it was the first year I went to actually. And they had her up on video call because she was based in San Francisco and she was just telling us about how she got there. And I was like, this woman is literally from the same place that I'm from mm-hmm. and like had a pretty similar education background to me. And she is in San Francisco, yeah. at one of the hottest companies in one of the top roles. So she was chatting away and it just like hit me. I was like, there is literally no reason why I should not aspire to be in her place right now yeah. because we are so similar and she's done it, mm-hmm. which means I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then couple minutes into the into her chatting she goes oh um i actually have someone i want to i want to to join me on this and she shifts over and jack dorsey sits down beside <laughs> her and like i knew full well who he was um because i'd read so much about him and i was like oh my word jack dorsey granted they're not in the same room as us but there's like a couple of hundred of us in the room right now and he has taken time out of his day yeah to talk to us and tell us to you know pursue our ambitions and that we can do anything in tech and it was just like i still remember it like crystal clear in my head like that day like sitting in that room and also just being surrounded by loads of other young people who were just as sort of captivated by it but then also being surrounded by you know business people and ceos and you know steve were and all that lot from the science park were all in the room and it was kind of that moment where it's like here's the inspiration but you're surrounded now by the infrastructure and the support network that's going to help you get there. And there's literally no reason why you can't get there. And wow. I just, I just bought it, all of it. I was like, done, done deal. Incredible. So I'd have coffee with Sarah Fryer. She also personally backed the Kickstarter that we ran for the tech conference, which was like a year after that. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. She's a legend. That's so cool. I know. Awesome. Um, we can cut this one. Because it's, I don't know why I'm asking it. It's just super weird, but I'm just going to go for it, okay? <laughs> so let's say there was an, the Oscars for tech, okay? Right. And you have just won an Oscar and you're on stage and you're going up and you're about to give your speech, okay? And I'm imagining, now I could be way off base here, okay? So if I am, this is hard way we can cut it. I imagine that one of the people in the crowd that you would be looking at who'd be clapping loudly and who'd probably be gurning his eyes out is your dad. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you're standing on stage and you're looking down at your dad and you have a couple of minutes to effectively thank him. What would you say to him? Um, great question. Well, first of all, I'd thank him and my mom for raising me and my siblings the way that they did. Um, so everything in our house was sort of around you get rewarded for doing good things like things weren't handed to us so from a very early age all of us sort of learned that you have to do your chores or you have to do well in your exams to get rewards or to get the things that you want so that was just sort of instilled in all of us and then also my dad um, had this 
ridiculous scheme when we were like literally kids where he created his own currency for the family called, <laughs> called McBrides. And it was, um, oh my word. It was, and, now, and this speech is definitely going to go off track, but I think the crowd will like it. Um, and he just took the money from the Monopoly board and he <laughs> created this currency and we knew what the exchange rate was and, and how much the value of the currency was. And if we went to Sainsbury's and helped mum pack the shop and we'd get two McBrides. And if we emptied the dishwasher, we'd get five and all these different wow. things. And then you could trade in the McBrides for some sweets or, you know, to go swimming or whatever. Well, no, they'd take a swimming anyway, but like whatever, <laughs> you know, for, for like things that we wouldn't normally get. Um, so that was great. And we... But then between, so I have an older brother and older sister, younger sister who wasn't born then. Um, then we realized we could sort of have this exchange between the three of us. So if I wanted something oh like the next day, but didn't have enough McBrides, my sister would give me a loan and then I'd have to pay her back. <laughs> and we, we'd find all these really creative ways to like create like businesses. Yeah, they'd make it, the whatever. cash flow. And then my sister, Jenny, um, all of a sudden had all these McBrides and I was like, where has this inflation come from? Like all of a sudden you have all this money. Yeah. And actually Jenny had indulged in some quantitative easing and had found our other Monopoly board in the house <gasps> and just taken the Oh, Jenny. So McBrides quickly went out of circulation. Oh my goodness. But just again. She flooded the a, economy. <laughs> from a young age was just kind of in, in that mindset. And then a pretty crucial thing happened when I was in lower sixth. My dad retired and he he could give me a lift to anywhere I wanted to go. And this was just such a luxury because when you have two siblings, you know, when there's mm -hmm. the three of you in the house, like there's not always lifts yeah. to go where you want to go. And all of a sudden he's like, I will take you wherever you need to go. Wow. So I, uh, I actually took up public speaking in lower sixth because he, he had a public speaking and said it was like the biggest regret of like his childhood or whatever is he never learned how to speak in front of public. Um, and he's like, you should do this. So he started driving me every few weeks to these public speaking competitions um, so that I could like practice mm -hmm. it. And it's a, it's a skill set that I'm very much still working on, but it means now when people ask me to speak at events or, you know, I've spoken at some awards events here in Northern Ireland, I can just get up and like still not do it overly well but i can do it yeah and that was because he would drive me to them and i would sit and practice the speech with him and he'd give me feedback and he just spent so much it's time amazing. on that and then when the young enterprise thing came along every day i'd go home from school and i'd sit down he's and like I'd, your consultant i would give him the update i'd be like right dad so this is happening like i have this issue with this member on the team like how should i deal with this and he's so good with people and he would help me with kind of the softer stuff that I just would never mm -hmm. understand until I had the experience. And he'd talk me through it and the logic of it and how it would play out. Um, and it was just so, so instrumental in like creating that foundation, which, you know, I now have to go off and do all that stuff on my own. Like, I don't have my dad to phone up and be like, here, dad, like, how should I deal with this problem? Yeah. I, he's always there, but it's much more yeah. me doing it on my own. So... I would, I'd thank him for all those things, you know, from instilling a good capitalist mindset in me, <laughs> edge six with the family currency, all the way through to supporting me in building up those skills that are now so crucial in the mm. work that I do day to day. It's amazing. I'm glad I asked that. That was great. Really great. Final question. Oh. Because uh, I know you have an event to run. Oh, right enough. Right enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, it's the same last question we always have, and it's just if we could turn this recording studio here in Oma Bass into a time machine and you could go back to 18-year-old Sarah McBride, 
what would you say if you had a couple of minutes of her time? I'd say that you have the full capacity to solve any problems that come your way and to never put a limit on your sort of imagination or a restriction on how far you can go Um, because that's something I've learned in the space of a year in New York there's you know people I've met and opportunities I've been given that I literally could not have dreamed of age 18 and it's just been handed to me Um, and there's no reason why I shouldn't have believed from age 18 that I could access those Mm. Um, so I'd just be like you know what Sarah go for it sky's the limit unreal will you ever be back in Northern Ireland yes 100% what are you gonna do um so I'm gonna I'm gonna build my career probably outside of Northern Ireland and slowly make my way back but um I definitely am interested in venture capital um in general as a career in the future I want to build up experience at some point in a startup and then you know I'm in BC now but go out of it and then go back into it and actually be allowed to write checks so I think it'd be phenomenal to be coming back to Northern Ireland with a big fat checkbook and and be the person who can help you know grow companies locally um and give them the money to do that I also have always had a keen interest in politics um which continues to be a sensitive topic and I think being you know, in the post-conflict generation gives me a very different perspective on this country and it's the opportunities versus the current ruling class or political class. Um, it's not my time now to, to do anything in politics, but down the line, I would I would really like to get involved in some way. I think there's no better way to contribute to society than help to organize it and, and make it better. It's cool. Well, I would bet the farm that people will look back and listen to this interview someday and say well she was right so yeah i hope so thanks very much (laughs) appreciate your time thank you so much deadly sarah thank you very very much for taking the time out to share your story with us thank you very very much yes you (laughs) for making it all the way through to the end of this hope you enjoyed it i really really enjoyed it and i've had such a blast with sarah and learned a lot you can find out more about sarah and links to all of the stuff, the email address, the social media profiles, the t-shirt website, her favorite book, and much, much more in your email inbox if you are a subscriber to our newsletter where we send on show notes and all the info you need to connect with and learn more about our guests every single week. Or you can go to bestofbelfast.org. We can also check out 70 other really interesting conversations with incredible people who call Northern Ireland home. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to everybody who is a financial supporter of the show. You not only make the show possible, but you also keep it ad-free, which is really, really nice and allows us to stay focused on sharing the stories that we want to share. Coming up next week, we've got a special announcement for people who are part of the Producers Club. And we're also sharing a story from someone who has, let's just say, dabbled in the world of sport. Until then, my name is Matthew Thompson. This is Best of Belfast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and until next week, all the very best. Cheers.